this morning and turn to the book of Ecclesiastes right after Proverbs. And we're going to read one verse there, Ecclesiastes chapter 5. And then I would like you to turn, uh, hold on to Ecclesiastes, then you can turn to Matthew 6, 24. We're going to read two verses and then we're going to take off. And I really want to thank the Lord for the opportunity to speak and thank Pastor Josie as well. And uh, it's good to be saved today. How many can say amen? It's a good time to be saved, serving the Lord, because uh, there's no better life. Amen? <coughs> and excuse me, I'm fighting a cough, so I, I might cough periodically. Ain't there somebody praying right now, too? There's intercessors praying? I think they were they're upstairs. Praise the Lord. Look at that. They have intercessors praying, ushers, greeters. I mean, come on, somebody. They got it going on in Hayward. How many can say amen? amen? Praise the Lord. I'm just trying not to miss nothing so my entire church team that's here will catch everything. Hallelujah. <laughs> Praise God. Amen. But I thank God for what he's doing in the Pittsburgh Antioch area. Praise the Lord. Do you have Ecclesiastes chapter 5? And you have Matthew 6? <coughs> okay, let's read. <coughs> Excuse me. Let's read Ecclesiastes 5, verse 10. Uh, your version might read a little different. Mine reads like this. Whoever loves money will never be satisfied with money. Whoever loves wealth will never be satisfied with more income. Even this is pointless. Now, Matthew chapter 6 and verse number 24. Do you have it? It says, no one can serve two masters. He will hate the first master and love the second. <clears throat> or he will be devoted to the first and despise the second. <clears throat> you cannot serve God and wealth. You cannot serve God and wealth. I want to speak to us this morning on the title of The Church Just Wants My Money. How <coughs> many ever heard that saying before? I figure that's a good title. Amen. The Church Just Wants My Money. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for your wonderful presence, God. And we thank you for the beautiful people that you have gathered here today. We thank you, Lord, for Pastor Josie, her family, the late Pastor Steve, God, who helped founded this great church here in Hayward, and for Pastor Sonny, the elders, and Lord, for the privilege, really, to be a part of such a great ministry, a great movement, not only here in California, but throughout the world. God, you've called us to be treasures out of darkness, hidden, riches hidden in secret places, Lord. You've called us, my God, to, to be somebody for you. You've given us the opportunity to worship you and, and be involved in this great movement. And I just thank you right now for this opportunity to speak behind this pulpit. I thank you for my friends and the church family. And I pray, oh God, that through this message that you would add a brick to our lives, that you would strengthen our faith, that you would begin to bring us to a closer place with you that we could continue this legacy throughout the world. Father, help me to preach. We give you the glory and honor. 
In Jesus' name, amen. amen. All right. The church just wants my money. How many know that's a lie this morning? <clears throat> I hear that a lot, um, and it kind of it kind of trips me out because as a, as a Christian now almost 20 years, I've been giving my money to the church for 20 years. Amen. So uh, I, I, I kind of uh, don't believe that lie. And so I'm hoping to shed some light on the truth in regards to that um, misleading lie. The church just wants my money. Now, if you spend all your life working and have nothing left over, then that means somehow you have failed in your work, bar barring something catastrophic. If for year after year and decade after decade, you are still living from paycheck to paycheck, then you have made some decisions in your life that have been generated by Madison Avenue or Walmart. Hello, somebody. <laughs> and are not living by the kingdom of God. The Bible says in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 2, it says, managers are required to be trustworthy. Somebody say trustworthy. <laughs> managers are required to be trustworthy. God has called you and I to be managers. Managers of our lives, managers of our children, managers of our families, managers in general over everything that is a part of our life. I want to let you know this morning that there's certain types of haves. There are the haves, the have-nots, and then there are the have-not paid for what you have. Hello, somebody. Anybody still paying for something? The Bible says in Luke chapter 12, verse 15, he told the people, be careful to guard yourselves from every kind of greed. Life is not about having a lot of material possessions. You see, money is tainted. It taints yours, it taints mine, <laughs> and it's all somebody else's. Amen, somebody. You know, money comes and goes. Money, you know, we get paid and then it's gone and so on and so forth. Money doesn't satisfy us at the end of the day. Only God can. How many can say amen? amen? First Chronicles 29, you can mark this in your notes or your Bible. It's a very powerful scripture. Verse 11 of Second Chronicles 29 says, Greatness, power, splendor. Glory and majesty are yours, Lord, because everything in heaven and on earth is yours. The kingdom is yours, Lord, and you are honored as head of all things. You see, God wants us to understand here that everything belongs to him. Everything belongs to him. As a matter of fact, in Psalms chapter 50 and verse 10, he even says, every creature in the forest even the cattle on a thousand hills is mine. I want to declare to us this morning that God owns everything. Everything. So this thing about the church just wants our money, 
is a lie. It's a lie this morning. I want to bring out three points that I believe that can help us out a little bit when it comes to this area of our lives. Number one, I want you to know this morning, Victor Outreach Hayward, God wants the best for us. Turn to your neighbor and say, God wants the best for you. He wants the absolute best. Now, I'm sure there's some of us that maybe don't feel like that at times, especially when we're broke. Hello, somebody. Especially when a bill comes and you don't know how you're going to pay for it. You're like, wow, where's God at in this? But I want to assure you this morning that God wants the best for us. We find that in Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11. We're going to read through 14 this morning. He says, I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. They, they are plans to, for peace and not disaster. Plans to give you a future filled with hope. Then you will call to me. You will come and pray to me, and I will hear you. He goes on to say in verse 13, when you look for me, you will find me. When you when you wholeheartedly seek me. Final verse 14, he says, I will let you find me, declares the Lord. I will bring you from captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and places where I have scattered you, declares the Lord. I will bring you back from the place where you are being held captive. See here, I want you to know that God promised us Promises each and every one of us a future and a blessed life and not to harm us. So that means when the struggles in happening, the, the, the finances are low or whatever is happening in our lives, it doesn't mean that God's trying to hurt us. I want you to know that God has a great plan for each and every one of us within the sound of my voice. He wants to prosper us and give us hope and a future. You see, this passage is talking about that God shall form his purposes in our lives. You see, we often do not know in our own minds, but the Lord is never at uncertainty. Hear me now. He's never uh, unsure or he's never in a place and a thought toward us that he's not sure if he wants to bless us or not. When God sets forth a promise and a word to you and I, he's going to accomplish that promise. He's going to come through. He doesn't change his mind. But the Lord is never at uncertainty. You see, me and you are sometimes ready and uncertain, and we fear that God's design for us is not going to happen. Right? Circumstances and situations in our life hit our homes and hit our families, hit our churches. And all of a sudden, we start getting uncertain and we think that God's plan isn't going to work out. See, but as his own people, you and I, even that which seems evil, hear me now, is good. Even that which seems evil is good. God is always looking out for minding your best interest this morning. Isn't that good news? <clears throat> you see, church, never think that God's plans are to harm you. You know, I hear people sometimes, they're new Christians, or maybe sometimes they're in a, in a drought or a dry spell in their life, and they start wondering about the plan of God towards their life. And they start accepting things like defeat. 
accepting things like, well, I guess this is just how God wants me. You know, and we walk around with our head down sometimes. And we begin to, you know, just kind of accept our circumstance. But we're not rejoicing in it like it's a plan of God. We're just saying, oh, well, but there's no hope there. You know what I'm talking about this morning? <coughs> you see, even that which seems evil, the Bible says, God is turning around for the good. See, don't let your circumstance bring you down, but let your faith level arise above your fear level and begin to believe God that, yeah, I might be going through it. I may not be working right now. Things might seem rough right now, but my friend, God's plans towards me are good. Hallelujah. Come on, give the Lord some praise this morning. You might be going through it, but this is a good time to clap. You might be broke, but this is a good time to praise him. You might not have a job, but lift your hands and give him glory because God's plans never fail. Are you hearing me this morning? God comes through, folks. You know, what God is trying to do many times in our lives, it's not that his promises change. It's that he wants you and I to build our faith. Right? Build our faith. You know, the Bible talks about how demons and the devil believe in God. So I want to declare to us this morning that just because we say, I believe in God, he's going to work it out. Do you really? Do you really have faith that he's going to work it out? Do you really have faith that he's going to come through? Let me ask you a question this morning. How's your faith? Is it strong or is it mediocre? Or is it weak? Where's our faith level at this morning? God says that, know what? No matter what you're going through and in times that are rough, he promises in Romans chapter 8, verse 28, we know the scripture. We know that all things, somebody say all. all. We know that all things work together for the good of those who love God, those whom he has called according to his plan. Hallelujah. His plans are to give us hope, prosper us, and give us a future. You may not feel hopeful. You may not feel prosperous. You may not feel positive about your future. But my friend, I want you to know, whatever you're going through, God's working it out for his good and his plan. Well, how's it his plan, Pastor? I'm kind of hurting right now. How's his plan, Pastor? My loved one died. How's his plan, Pastor? I ain't got a job in six months. How's his plan? Listen, my friend, build your faith. Stand on the promise. Trust God. I'm telling you now, God is working it out for the good. My brother got killed three and a half years ago. How's that God's plan? Man, I know people suffering here and there and everywhere. How's that God's plan? My friend, I can't understand the mind of God. I don't put God in a sandbox. God is sovereign. God is all-powerful. God is knowing. And later I'll see my brother. Later someone will get a job. God is in control and he's working it out. Come on, if you're going to clap, clap with all your heart this morning. Come on. Come on, I want to get a base hit this morning. Come on, I need some encouragement. Hallelujah. Somebody say he's working it out. Come on, he's working it out. How many believe that this morning? I believe some of you are going to prosper this year. I believe it's not too late. God is going to turn it around for you. He's preparing you for his plan. You hear that this morning? He's preparing you 
for his plan. And guess what? He's not killing you. See, sometimes we think, oh, woe is me. And we start going to this pity party, start getting negative and complaining. Because we don't like our situation. We allow the enemy to come in. But I'm telling you, through your pain and through your struggle, God is preparing you for his plan. The problem with us sometimes, we like we hop off the potter's wheel. Huh? We don't like the pain. We don't like the hurt. We don't like the, the feeling of, of, you know, having to go through it a little bit. But like Pastor Steve always said, man, success is uphill, baby. Don't come in a vacuum. Tell your neighbor, we got to pay the price. How's your faith level this morning? You see, Matthew chapter 9, verse 29, the Bible says, He touched their eyes and said, What you have believed will be done for you. Did you hear that this morning? What you have believed will be done for you. What you believe, he said. What you believe, he said. You see, church, catch this. Strong faith sees results. Are you hearing me this morning? Strong faith sees results. When you and I have strong faith, when you and I have allowed ourselves to grow through the word of God, through prayer, through coming to church, through making altar calls, when we develop our faith, my friend, there is no mountain we can't conquer. There's no valley we can't get through. There's no situation, man, that God can't turn around. Because why? We have strong faith. Strong faith. We're not easily moved. We're not easily shaken. But we believe God in the midst of the circumstance because we know that God is going to come through. We don't stop giving when we're broke. I don't know which side to look to. Amen. <laughs> we don't hold back on God. We don't stop coming to church. Let me preach to the wall. We don't stop coming to church. We don't stop playing the congas. We don't stop showing up. Come on, somebody. We don't stop. We keep marching. Why? Because we have strong faith. So we continue to believe God. And we continue to do that. And what happens? Results, my friend. So turn to your neighbor and say results. Turn to someone and say, your kid's going to get saved. Don't worry about it. You're going to get that job. Don't worry about it. You see, church, hear me this morning. Faith separates the boys from the men, the girls from the women. Are you hearing me this morning? Faith separates us. Real faith, you're like a giant. You got faith. You've been praying. You've been fasting. You've been seeking God. Your faith is up to par. And therefore, you don't stop marching. You keep moving forward for the glory of God. When someone's shamming, holding back, not showing up, hello, somebody, that's because they have weak faith. Who are you judging, Pastor Adam? Why don't you do this? Try judging yourself this morning. Real faith moves forward. Real faith continues to believe God. I thank God for my mother-in-law who has diabetes and she has kidney failure and liver failure, but she's still showing up at church, lifting her hands and giving God the glory. Come on, somebody. 
I thank God for William's mom, Susan, who has 80-something-plus years and still coming. She more faithful than some of the young folks this morning. Am I telling the truth? Am I telling the truth? I thank God for Brother Lorenzo. That's right. I remembered your name, my brother, who at one time wouldn't come close to church. But my friend, he's in a suit. Come on. Praise it. Oh, come. Ooh-wee. I know Billy was getting discouraged. I know Billy was feeling like giving up. I know many times maybe she felt like walking away, but she continued to hang these curtains, show up at church, believe God, and my friend, real faith has results. Turn to someone and say, you got any results lately from your real faith? Come on, I'm still Brother Adam. I'm going to tell it like it is. Come on, somebody. Real faith. Real faith. God wants to bless us. God wants to bless us. Want to amaze God this morning? You want to amaze God? You want to blow God's mind this morning? Then you got to have real faith. Look what Luke 7, 9 says. Jesus was amazed at the officer when he heard these words. He turned to the crowds following him and said, I can guarantee that I haven't found faith as great as this in Israel. Are you hearing me this morning? What does the Bible say? Jesus was amazed. Huh? He began to notice some faith that he ain't seen in a long time. I wonder if Jesus was walking these aisles, would our faith amaze him? Would our faith get his attention? Would our faith in Christ, would our faith to do his will, to give him our all, get his attention where he stands amazed and say, wow, what faith that person has. Wow, well, I haven't seen that faith in a long time. Faith separates the boys from the men. Want to amaze God? Practice your faith. Are you hearing me this morning? Hebrews 11 verse 6 says, No one can please God without faith. Whoever goes to God must believe that God exists and that he rewards, here it is, those who seek him. Tell your neighbor, God wants to bless you. But you got to seek them. There's not too many times that I can remember calling my kids on a consistent basis anyway. I might have did it once in a while. And telling them, come over here. Get out of the room. Come over here. I want to give you some money. I, you know, hey, you know, I feel great. To, I got paid. Where's all the kids? Bring all the kids. I want to give them money. I, I did it a couple times maybe. But I remember saying, get over here, hurry, hurry. I want to give you some money. Most of the time, by and large, what, what had to happen? They had to seek me out. They had to seek me out. They had to come, they had to come, come on down. Matter of fact, some, sometimes they had to really work on me, clean their room, empty the garbage. Come on, somebody. They had to seek me out. And if they sought me out enough, then, you know, I might give up some money. Hello, somebody. 
The problem with Christians today is we don't want to seek God out. We don't want to trust and seek him enough. But he promises he will reward those who diligently seek him. See, he will give them his people, that is, in Jeremiah and here today, not the expectations of their fears or the expectations of their fancies, but the expectations of their faith. You see, the end he has promised, which will be the best for them. Turn to your neighbor and say, God wants to bless you. God wants to bless us, church. I want you to understand that. Don't let your circumstances waver and change your perspective and God's blessing towards you. And, and don't believe for one moment that the church just wants your money or that God wants you broke. You know, well, I guess I'll never, you know, be anybody. That's a lie. You're going to be somebody. Grow your faith. Serve the Lord. Trust in him. Can somebody say amen? amen? Look at Matthew chapter 17, verse number 20, if you're taking notes. Matthew 17, 20 says, he told them, because you have so little faith, I can guarantee this truth. If your faith is the size of a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. Are you hearing Jesus talk? Are you hearing this? Nothing will be impossible for you. So if nothing's impossible, then how come things ain't happening for us? If all it takes is faith as a mustard seed, they say it's one of the smallest seeds in the world. If that's all it takes is a little bit of faith, then how come we're not moving stuff out of our lives? Think about that for a minute. See, most of us interpret that scripture that if we just have a little bit of faith, we can do it. But the, the real reality of the context of the scripture is, is that if you have a little bit of faith, you can do it, yeah. But if you're not doing it, you don't have no faith at all. Our faith becomes weak. Our faith is inactive, actually. You see, real faith brings results. Real faith can stand in the midst of adversity and trust God. Real faith can make it happen. Real faith believes God for the best. The best wife. Come on, somebody. Oh, don't no one get married no more, huh? Let me preach to Pittsburgh over here. Hallelujah. The best husband. Come on, somebody. Real faith makes things happen. Real faith sees results. Our problem this morning can very well be we're operating on weak faith. We have faith but no power. We have faith but no obedience. We have faith, but it's, it's faith that is weak. It's not strong. It's not doing anything. Turn to your neighbor and say, I want real faith. And I think it's okay to have weak faith once in a while. We go through our spiritual dry spells in our dips. But at one point or another, I come to encourage you that our faith level has to begin to come up to par. So that we could be the victorious people God called us to be. Amen. You see, weak faith is just the opposite of real faith. Real faith believes God for the best. Weak faith doubts God will come through. 
You ever hear people like that? Well, I don't know. You know, if God comes through, God comes through. I don't know. You know, we'll see what happens. I'm praying. I'm believing, you know, we'll see. The Lord's will be done. You know, I know someone tells me all the time, Pastor, I see you on Sunday at the Lord's will. Hebrews 10, 25 says, don't neglect coming to church. What do you mean it's the Lord's will? As long as you have breath, God wants us in church. Come on, somebody. Put your faith to action. Put your faith to action. I ain't got a car. I ain't got a ride. I ain't got a... Listen, man, that's why they made buses. Listen, man, that's why hippies get across the United States by putting their thumb out. Hitchhike to church. Can I preach this thing this morning? You know, weak faith doubts God will come through. Well, I'll just sit here and wait for God to come through. You know, I want a job, but God ain't provided yet. Amen, somebody. What do you mean God ain't provided? You need to get yourself up. Amen, somebody. You need to get down to McDonald's. McDonald's, I'm, I'm more skilled than that. You are? You're more broke than that, too. Amen. Come on, man. I'm an ex-convict, work for the government. Hello, somebody. I'm an ex-convict, man. I had great jobs, man, throughout my years. Why? Because real faith believes God for the best. Come on, somebody. Listen, my friend, God will always come through. Always come through. Always come through. Jesus said in Matthew, or Mark, rather, chapter 11, verse 22, Jesus said to them very simply, have faith in God. Have faith in God. Have faith in God. Tell your neighbor, have faith in God. Let me ask you a question this morning. Who's your faith in today? Really? You sure it's not in work? You sure it's not in people? You sure it's not in possessions? You sure it's not in this world? Where's your faith at? Is it really in God? Those of you with checking accounts, how many checks you write to your church? How many checks you write to your creditors? How many checks do you write? Where's your faith at this morning? Is it really in God? It should be for all of us. It should be. We should have real faith in God because we're going to need it in these end times. How many can say amen? amen? All right, let me move on a little faster. Man, time flies when you're having fun. Are you guys all right? You with me this morning? Say, mm-hmm. I was just in the gospel channel on the way to uh, church this morning. They were jamming. 106, I was like, wow, this, they were like, they had some jamming beats. I was like, wow, this is cool. I wish I had a church like this. Amen, somebody. That organ in the background, I feel like preaching now. Start spitting all over, amen. I was like, wow, I can't wait to have that type of church. Amen. We're on our way. Amen. You see, when the Lord pours out, a special spirit of prayer like he did in Jeremiah, 
It is a good sign that he is coming toward us in mercy. You see, promises are given to quicken and encourage prayer. To quicken and encourage prayer. You see, God's given you and I promises. He wants to bless us. He wants to prosper us. But those promises are designed to receive in mercy and to get us in prayer. Get us in faith. Get us toward God so that we can see the promises come to pass. You see, church, when God speaks, hear it now, we should surrender. Wholeheartedly in obedience to what he desires. Are you hearing me this morning? God wants to prosper. God wants to bless. That should immediately bring us to our knees to surrender and want to be obedient to his plan and his purpose for our life. Many times we run from God. We try to do our own thing, our own way, and we want God's blessing, but really we're doing our own thing. When God speaks, we're to pray and move forward in his will. Psalms 25 verse 10. Says every path of the Lord is one of mercy and truth for those, catch this, who cling to his promise and written instruction. My friend, I want to let you know this morning that the key to prosperity and the key to blessing is clinging to God's promises and instructions. See that? Clinging to God's promises and instructions. What's God saying to my life? Can I be obedient to his plan and to his word? Am I living for him? Am I on track with him? Am I reading my Bible? Am I in prayer? Am I being spiritually minded? Am I getting a hold of God? Am I hearing his voice? Am I clinging to his promise this morning? You see, God wants to bless us. But it only happens, my friend, when we cling, when we cling to him and his promises. Are you hearing me this morning? God wants to bless us. It's time for the church to cling to him, to go after him, and to stand upon his word. Because if we don't, it's just the opposite effect, my friend. Psalm 78, verse 56 says, They tested God most high and rebelled against him. They did not obey his written instructions. You see, the problem most of the time is, we rebel against God when we don't follow his instructions. So what's the result? Very simple. We miss our blessing. We miss our blessing. So again, in point number one, God wants to bless us this morning. God wants to bless us. Don't get it twisted. His plan is to give us hope, future, and prosperity. Get that in your thinking. Get that in your spirit. No without of a doubt. But we need to build our faith. We need to cling to his promise. We need to be obedient to his desires and his way. Can somebody say amen? amen. Not only does God want to bless us, church, but secondly, greed wants to destroy us. God wants to bless us, but greed wants to destroy us. Psalms 90 verse 12 says, teach us to number each of our days. So that we may grow in wisdom. So that we may grow in wisdom. You see, church, let me give you illustration on greed. Some thieves one day broke into a store but didn't steal anything. And by the way, if you're like on the fence this morning, <laughs> kind of like 
don't learn nothing from this illustration, all right? <laughs> I read this. I go, this is a pretty good idea. I don't think I never did that back in the days. Amen. But it says thieves broke into this store one day, and they didn't steal anything. They just exchanged the tags. They took a $6,000 tag off of a diamond ring and put it on an imitation diamond. They took the imitation tag of $99.95 and put it on the $6,000 ring. They took an imitation print painting and reversed its tag with that of an expensive original. People came in and bought stuff up. They spent a lot of money on the worthless and a little bit of money on the expensive. Church, we live in a culture today that has switched the tags. We put a lot of money on the flashy and put 39 cents on character. Come on, somebody. We put a lot of money. Amen. We put a lot of money on expensive cars in high positions of career, but we put 10 cents on integrity, truthfulness, dignity, and character. We have switched the tags. Don't let anybody switch your tags this morning. Greed wants to destroy us. See, we need to pray for wisdom so we don't allow the world to make us switch the tags. We are living in the last days. Let us protect our integrity, dignity, truthfulness, and godly character. Matthew 6, 19 says, Stop storing up treasures for yourselves on earth where moth and rust destroy and thieves break in and steal. Instead, store up treasures for yourselves in heaven where moth and rust don't destroy and thieves don't break in and steal. Your heart will be where your treasure is. Greed wants to destroy us. Let me give you another illustration. Money cannot bring satisfaction. It is like the man who said, last month my aunt died and left me $25,000. He said, last week, someone said, man, I wouldn't mind having that inheritance. Hallelujah. He said, last week my brother died and left me $38,000. And then he said, I am so depressed. His good friend said, why are you depressed? He said, because this week, nobody died. <laughs> wow. Horrible, huh? Greed will make you care more about money than people. More about what we have on earth than what we have in heaven. Matthew 16, 26 says, what good will it do for people to win the whole world and lose their lives? Or what will a person, here it is, give in exchange for life? Will they give up their integrity? Will they give up honesty? Will they give up tithing? Did I say tithing? What will they give up for money? For greed, personal friendships. Let me give you one more. You got room for one more? 
These are good. I kind of like them. Check this one out. Many of us were like the dog in the fable carrying a juicy steak across a bridge. As he walked and crossed the bridge, he looked over and saw the reflection of his face with the steak in his mouth. He thought it was another dog with a bigger steak. So he went after the bigger steak and got neither. Hello, somebody. Turn to your neighbor and say, just keep your own steak, man. <laughs> or better yet, tell him, keep the spam. Hallelujah. <laughs> keep the chorizo, man. 99 cents. Hallelujah. 1 Timothy 6, 9. I'm coming in for a close. But people who want to get rich keep falling into temptation. They are trapped by many stupid and harmful desires which drown them in destruction and ruin. Certainly, the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Some people who have set their hearts on getting rich have wandered away from the Christian faith and have caused themselves a lot of grief. I don't know how many people wandered from the faith because of a job, because of money, because of have to take care of my family, but they left God in the process. Listen, church, seek God, not money. Trust God, not money. Greed only leads to all kinds of evil and eventually walking away. Symptoms of greed this morning, missing church for work. Stop paying our tithes. Become inconsistent. Negative attitude when it comes to giving. My friend, if that's our perspective, I want to let you know we only hurt ourselves. We only hurt ourselves. When we rob God of the blessing to want to bless us. God says, I want to bless us. I want to bless you. But you rob me in your tithes and in your offerings. God not only wants to bless us, but greed wants to destroy us this morning. And lastly, giving to God is a privilege. It really is. It really is. Deuteronomy 15, verse number 7. Maybe Brother Luis could bring the team up. So they could believe that I'm closing. Hallelujah. Are you still with me this morning? Somebody say, mm-hmm. That's kind of weak. Come on, I know y'all got more soul than that up in here. Say, mm-hmm. Well, well. Preach it, preacher. Come on, preach it, preacher. Preach it, preacher. Can you help me out on the mic? Preach it, preacher. Preach it, preacher. Amen. Hallelujah. We like to have fun in church and VO. How many can say amen? God wants to bless us. Greed wants to destroy us. Giving is a privilege this morning. This is what you must do whenever there are poor Israelites in one of your cities, in the land that the Lord your God has given you. It says, be generous to those 
to these poor people and freely lend them as much as they need. Never be hard-hearted and tight-fisted with them. Luke 6, 38 says, Give and you will receive a large quantity pressed together, shaken down and running over will be put into your pocket. The standards you use for others will be applied to you. 2 Corinthians 9, 7 says, each of you should give whatever you have decided. You shouldn't be sorry that you gave or feel forced to give since God loves a cheerful giver. Let me give you an illustration on giving. There are three kinds of givers. The flint, the sponge, and the honeycomb. To get anything out of the flint, you have, you have, you have got to hammer it. Then you only get chips and sparks. To get water out of the sponge, you have to squeeze it. The more you squeeze it, the more you get. But the honeycomb simply overflows with sweetness. What are you this morning? A flint, a sponge, or a honeycomb? Do we have to bang an offering out of you? Give, blam, to get a dollar? Do we have to squeeze it out of you? to get you to be obedient to the biblical principle of tithes and offerings? Or are you a honeycomb? You're just grateful. You give to the Lord this morning. Amen. Listen, Victory Outreach. When a person understands what God has done for them, you don't have to prime them to give. And you don't need ten collections. They understand that it is a great God. In fact, at, at offering time, we ought to jump up out of our feet and applaud that we are here to give and have been blessed to have strength enough to work that we might be able to give. We ought to just applaud the privilege of giving. See, church, we get it twisted sometimes. We should be generous givers, not tight-fisted and hard. If we are generous to God and others, then God and others will be generous to us. We should plan to give. That's what we should do. We should plan to give with pure motives. Why? Because God loves when we're willing to give because we're grateful. Because we're grateful. You see, Victory Outreach, family and friends, giving, as a matter of fact, should be taken serious. Are you hearing me? Should be taken serious as a part of our Christianity to the Lord. A preacher out in the country was once testing one of his rich members. He said John was a farmer and the preacher asked him, John, if you had a hundred pigs, would you give 25 to God? Yes, pastor, I would. John, if you had 20 pigs, would you give five to God? 
Absolutely, Pastor. John, if you had two pigs, would you give one to God? Preacher, cut that out. You know I, I have two pigs. You see, church, as long as we're hypothetical, we'll be generous. But once God asks us what we're going to do with what we have in our hands, we have a problem with that. Luke 16.10 Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with a lot. Whoever is dishonest, however, with very little will be dishonest with a lot. We hypothetically all the time say, what if God gave you a million dollars? What if you won the lotto even though you shouldn't be playing it? You know, I'll be honest, I'm pioneering. If someone came to me and said, Pastor, I won the lotto. How much you win? A million dollars. Bless God. Hallelujah. Pay your tithes. Amen. Sorry, Matt. I know you respect me, bro, but not just kidding. But hypothetically, we want to give everything. But then the reality hits, and we don't want to give. But if we're honest with the little, God is going to give us more. You see, we should learn to be honest with the little we have so God can trust us with more. Don't you think that's a good idea? So how many have jobs or some kind of income? Let me see your hand. You have a job. You have some type of income. Come on, hold it up real high. I just want to see. Amen. Praise the Lord. Most of us are blessed. Give the Lord a good hand. Come on. Many of you are blessed. God has blessed you with a job. Now, how many of you that you raise your hand, or maybe you ain't working at the time, you can use some increase, or you need a job? Let me see your hand. You can, you, some increase would be kind of cool. You need a job. Come on. All you folks, let me see your hands. Where are they at? All you people had hands up with jobs. Where are you at now? Oh, you don't want increase? How many want increase? You need a job. Come on, be honest. Hallelujah. Many of us. Many of us. Now, how many of you, and don't raise your hand to this one. Please don't raise your hand. You're faithful tithers. You give every, every week, every time you get paid. You don't miss it. You leave on vacation. You mail in your tithe. You're faithful. Now, if we can't be faithful with the little, how can God give us more? Are you hearing that this morning? I really believe God wants to bless you. I really believe God wants to bless our lives. God wants to bless us in so many ways. It's unbelievable. I don't have a lot of money in the bank right now. I don't have, you know, things flowing like, you know, like, oh my God, like pressed down and overflowing. But do I really? Maybe I do. Maybe I'm just not looking at it right. Maybe I am blessed, pressed down, and overflowing. Let me think about it. I have a church. I have a great church. I have a pa I'm a pastor. I'm a, I have a wife. I have children. Ooh, let me think about it. I have good health. I have the promise of God that he's going to bless me even more. Come on, some. Let me think about this for Think about it for a moment. I 
believe it's pressed down. I believe it's running over. You just got to see it his way. See, sometimes we want the car, the money, this, that. We want to be flashy. We want to say, look at me, look at me. Look at all the money I got. My friend, God wants to bless us. We need to be faithful in the little. He says in Haggai, is it time for you to live in your paneled houses while, while this house lies in ruin? Now, this is what the Lord, the army says, carefully consider your ways. Somebody say, consider your ways. You planted a lot, but you harvest little. You eat, but you're never full. You drink, but you're still thirsty. You wear clothing, but you never have enough to keep you warm. You spend money as fast as you earn it. He says in verse 7 of Haggai chapter 1, this is what the Lord of the army says. Carefully consider your ways. Listen, church, we go through it. It gets hard. But don't move from the principle. You know, I know without a shadow of a doubt, we by nature are selfish people, right? You know, sometimes it's hard to give. The fact of the matter is people don't like to give. People don't like to give. But God is in the blessing business when we're faithful to him. Amen? As you stand with me this morning, and we're going to make an altar call. Please, no moving around other than standing up. I want to believe God for each and every one of us here this morning. And this is not a message to make you feel bad. This is not a message to maybe, you know, make you feel not worthy or maybe you know you kind of fell off track no God wants to bless us greed wants to destroy us and giving is a privilege listen to this church a country preacher once delivered a sermon on giving he said now church you know we've got to go somewhere and so we need the church to walk and the deacons lined up on the front row and, and they said, Rev, let the church walk. Let the church walk. The preacher said, we've got to start moving. And the deacon said, let it walk. The preacher saw that he had the deacons with him. So he said, and then after we've walked for a little while, church, we've got to run. The deacon said, yeah, let the church run. He went on preaching, getting the congregation and deacons more excited as he continued. He said, then, after we've run a little while, it's time for the church to fly. Then the preacher said, well, now, you know it's going to take money for the church to fly. The deacon said, let it crawl, Rev. Let it crawl. Come on, somebody. What are we saying? People don't like to give. People don't like to give. It's in our nature to hold back. Matthew 6, 24 says, No one can serve two masters. He will hate the first master or love the second. Or he will be devoted to the first master and despise the second. You cannot serve God and money. 1 Timothy 6, 10 says, Certainly the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Some people who have set their hearts on getting rich have wandered away from the Christian faith and have caused themselves a lot of grief. You might say this morning, Pastor Adam, I'm not trying to get rich. I'm just trying to make it. 
I'm not trying to get rich. I'm not, I'm, you know, I just want a job. I just want to be able to, you know, have my needs met. Listen to me this morning, Victory Outreach. We can't serve God and job. We can't serve God and job. We need to love God and hate job. I know I'm messing with some theology here. Love God and hate job. Or love job and hate God. We can't serve both. Well, what do you mean? I got to have a job. But is your job above God? Is your job moving you away from God? How long is that job going to keep you away from God? I'm trying to help somebody this morning. We can only be devoted to one. When job is taking us from God, that means job is becoming God. Plain and simple, my friend. But I got to work. I got to work. I got to work. God will give you a better job on another day so that you can be in church if you have faith, if you keep trusting, if you look for that other job, if you believe him for that other job, God will provide it. No problem. No problem. He owns the heavens and the earth. A thousand cattle on a thousand hill, my friend. Have faith. Bring it up to par. Look for work. Watch God provide. Somebody give the Lord a hand. I know what I'm talking about. We can only be devoted to one. When we love money, when we love money, when we love money, or let me put it this way, when we love work, when we love work, when we love work, because money and work go hand in hand. When we love money, work more than God, it shows. How does it show? In our church attendance and in our tithing record. Listen, I'm stepping on toes to build you up this morning. I want to build you up. I want to see you blessed. I want to see you experience the full promises of God. But the fact of the matter is, when our job and our work take us out of church and take our tithes away from God's kingdom, there's a problem. And it works contrary to God's promises. It also shows in the sinful acts that we allow ourselves to get trapped in. Right? The love of money, the love of work, the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. So the symptoms of the love of money, the love of work more than God is the symptoms of a sinful pattern of a lifestyle that is contrary to honoring God. Does that make sense? We get caught up. We start getting off track. And next thing you know, we get desensitized to the sin of this world. And all of a sudden we compromise and justify sinful behavior when the fact of the matter is our lifestyle, our conduct, the words out of our mouth are not edifying to God. Am I helping anyone this morning? And guess what happens? Eventually, this leads to backsliding. It leads to backsliding, church. My opening scripture, whoever loves money will never be satisfied with money. Whoever loves wealth will never be satisfied with more income. Even this is pointless. Every head bowed, every eye closed this morning, please, giving reverence to God. Holy Spirit's moving and ministering.
God wants the best for us. But greed wants to destroy us. Giving to God is a privilege. The church just wants my money. As your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed, the Bible says you come from your father, the devil, and you desire to do what your father wants you to do. The devil was a murderer from the beginning. He has never been truthful. He doesn't know what the truth is. Whenever he tells a lie, he's doing what comes naturally to him. He's a liar and the father of lies. 